0: To the Journey podcast. The Journey is a college and young adult ministry of Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. I was asking the Father. Um, and so tonight, we're going to go through one more of those questions that I'll tell you guys here in just a few minutes. Um, but it's going to be our, our last time in this series tonight. Um, and so it's going to be an awesome end, hopefully. Um, and, and we're really looking forward to it, guys. Um, so tonight I really did think, um, I, was, I was thinking really hard about trying to figure out like a, a funny story or an example to, to start off to kind of get you guys laughing or get you guys pulled in a little bit. Um, and I was racking my brain thinking about what I could tell you guys and I couldn't think of anything. Um, nothing was coming to my mind. I wasn't getting any divine inspiration from, from God about, Zach, this is the perfect introduction for your sermon tonight. Like, I wasn't getting anything like that from the Father. And so I was like, man, like, why can I not do this? And it, it kind of struck me um, as, as God just saying, hey, Zach, like, you You don't need to to tell a funny story um, that doesn't exactly fit the topic of tonight's sermon so i'm going to give you guys a little bit of an inside look It, it is kind of a heavy um, sermon. it is a little bit um, deep of a sermon just because the question that we are talking tonight is heavy it's weighty um, there's a lot of a lot of um, sadness and a lot of um, anger that can come with with this uh, with this topic and so It doesn't take a genius to look at the world around us and to be able to tell that our world, world, said that weird, that our world is falling apart around us, right? Um, Whether it is environmentally right or or with uh, world leaders, political leaders all around the world becoming more and more greedy and more and more evil and more and more corrupt or if it's the sickness and disease that is running rampant through the world, if it is children that are passing away every single day um, if there's countries out there that can't provide enough resources like water and food and living land for their people, there there are people out there who are fleeing their homeland because of persecution, because of famine, because of natural disaster. Our world is falling apart around us. Can you guys agree with that? Maybe maybe you've you've seen something. Um, if you haven't seen something, I encourage you to turn the news on when you get home or scroll through Twitter. Um, you can't get ten scrolls into Twitter, without seeing a video of some kind of brutality or some kind of racism or some kind of natural disaster or some kind of evil running rampant in the world. Um, There's no avoiding it. It's happening. The world is broken, and there are lots of bad things happening around us. I don't tell you guys this just to be like, man, I'm gonna put you guys in a bad mood and make you guys all sad and depressed, and everybody's gonna walk out that door with their head down. Um, No, but I... I say that because it makes things so easy for us to ask ourselves, what the heck is going on? Where is God in this situation? Where is God when people are being massacred around the world for their faith? Where is, where is God whenever there are children who are born with deformities and people who, who are living their lives in, in famine and in persecution? Where is God in those situations? And it gets even a little bit easier for us to ask, where is God when things happen to us personally or to our family or to our loved ones? Where is God whenever your sibling gets in a car accident? Where is God whenever your grandmother is diagnosed with cancer? Where is God whenever your parents get a divorce? It's so easy to ask ourselves the question, God, where are you in my life? So before we dive in tonight, I just wanna take us Uh, give us about two or three minutes and you guys get with two or three people around you just really quick and talk about maybe something that you have experienced or something that you've seen in the news or something that has happened to you recently that has made you question where God is in your life. Just do that for a minute and we're going to jump in. All right, guys. If you can go ahead and tie off those conversations, we're gonna we're gonna get a little bit further into this. Awesome. So, as you can tell through your conversations, it's really simple to look at our lives, no matter how big or how small, and to ask the question of where is God in our lives? Right? Where is God when bad things happen? Because um, bad things are happening all around us. Um, but The cool thing is, is is that when we ask the question that we're asking tonight is, God, why are you absent in bad times? Whenever we ask that question, um, there's a reoccurring theme that has happened throughout this whole series that, that we didn't exactly plan that has kind of arisen by itself. And that theme is that sometimes what we feel is not a reality. Right. So sometimes whenever we feel, God, you are not here. You have abandoned me in my time of need. God, you are not here. You have abandoned me in this bad time. Where are you when I am struggling? Because we feel that, we think it's true. But in reality, what we feel is not always the truth, right? I think we can all all agree with that, is that sometimes we feel things that could not be further from the truth. And while our feelings are very valid and need to be addressed this is one of those circumstances, right? Whenever we feel like God, like you are not here right now and bad things are happening, it seems like you have fleed in my time of need. And, and this circumstance is one of the times where our feelings, they're not the truth because the truth is God has not abandoned us. God is very much so here in the bad times and, and he's not gonna leave. Um, and so tonight we're going to, um, look at scripture for the answer to the question, right? Because the question now is not, God, why have you abandoned me, God? Why are you not here in the time of bad? But rather, we know that God is here, so where is he? Where is God in the time of bad, right? Um, and so that's what we're gonna do tonight. We're gonna look at four different places in scripture. Um, and through each of those things, uh, I feel like there is something to learn from that. So, Really quick, we're gonna pray, and then we're gonna dive right in. Um, there's a lot, a lot to talk about tonight, so let's do this thing. Um, hey God, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for all of these people who have come here, who have given up some time on their Tuesday night to come get some free canes, blessed be that fried chicken. Um, and we just pray that somehow that, uh, that food turns into a nice salad on the way down. Um, but more importantly, Father, we pray that your spirit is in this room tonight. More importantly, Father, we pray that lives are changed tonight, Father, that, that we are touched by your word, God, that we are touched by the, the fact that your presence never leaves us, but rather, Father, you are here in the times of bad. Um, and let us be able to, to open our eyes to where you are in those times, Father. So do a work in us tonight. Holy Spirit, come flood this place, fall on us, touch us. We love you. Amen. Awesome. So. I'm pretty sure that if somebody's going to take this topic and to preach a sermon about it, I don't think they could do so without mentioning Job. Um, I feel like probably the majority of you guys, if you grew up in a Christian home, have heard of Job, or at least know a general idea. Are we in agreement about that? Um, but really quick, I'm going to give a quick description of the story of Job. So if you're not familiar with it, don't worry. Um, you can turn there, but I'm not going to read the whole story because it's, a pretty long book, um, and so that would take a while. But really quick, a recap of the story of Job is Job was, he was a wealthy man. He was a man of God. He feared the Lord. He had a wonderful family. I believe he had like seven sons and three daughters, and he had like tons of sheep and oxen and a bunch of servants and he actually scripture tells us that he was the most powerful man in the east he was the most wealthy the most um sought after person in the east and so he job was kind of a big deal like he he wasn't just some schmuck that lived down the street he was a big deal and so as we read further on in the story after the introduction of Job, we see that God actually grants Satan permission to come at Job and to, to try to test him to get him to curse God. God's like, Job's not going to do that. Job is my boy. He's not going to curse me. He's not going to go against me. You can do whatever you want, Satan. The only thing you cannot do is you cannot take his life. So Satan says, okay, like, that's a bet. Like, I'll do, I'll do that then. Um, so... Um, One day, Job is out and he receives news that all of his cattle have died. So this is the first thing that Satan does to him, right? Satan takes all of his cattle away from him. So Satan takes away his main source of wealth, his main source of financial income. The next thing that happens is that Job is covered in incredibly painful boils. Um, One, gross. Um, (laughs) There wasn't like Neutrogena back then either to get rid of those things. Um, But yeah, so... Satan was not taking it easy on this guy. As we read the story and continue to go on, it talks about how Satan even takes his family. Satan even takes his, his 10 children and his wife and he actually, those, those, those loved ones die, they're gone. And so everything in Job's life is gone. Everything good that he loved and that he sought after is now gone. I think it would be pretty easy for us to be like, what the heck God? Like, where are you? Why are you doing this to Job? or if it was happening to us. God, I love you. I pursue you. I serve your kingdom. Why are you letting these things happen to me? It would be so easy for us to do that. I like stub my toe and I'm like, oh my God, what have I done? What have I done to receive this persecution from the door that I walk by every morning? Like, but no, but Job, what the scripture tells us is Job blesses God. He says, God, like, I don't know what's going on but I bless you. I worship you, God. I'm leaning into you during my time of need. This time is bad. It is awful, but I'm leaning into you. It's so easy for us to say, God, where the heck are you? But if we look at the end of the story of Job, it says that he continued to trust the father. And if you know the end of the story of Job, um, he was blessed, right? Everything basically came back to him and he continued to live a blessed life because he never lost trust in the father. It could, it, it's so easy to, to say, God, where are you? I don't, I don't trust you in this situation. Things have gone, gone awry, things are bad, and you're not here anymore. Where are you, God? It's so easy for us to do that in our lives, but Job does the exact opposite. It actually says that he trusts the father. Job decided to rest in God's supreme sovereignty, and so should we. We have to put our trust in God. Right? We get on an airplane um, and we have full trust in, in the pilot. Right? We are not in control at all. Some of you are like, I don't have trust in no pilot. I don't get on planes. Um, but if you have to travel, you have to trust the pilot. Right? You have to get on the plane and know that, hey, you have, the second you step on that plane, you're in zero control of what happens with your life. If that's a scary thought for you, I'm sorry that I just put that in your head. Um, but that's the, that's the truth. If you get on a plane, you have no control over what happens in your life. And you know, you're walking to get onto the plane and you walk by the cockpit and the captain's usually there like giving you his like presidential head nod. Um, and what if you just walked in and you're like, hey, actually I've never flown a plane before, but I don't trust you. I'm gonna get in the, po- the cockpit and I'm gonna fly this thing. He'd be like, ah, no, I don't think so. You, get, you wouldn't even get off the ground. You probably couldn't even start moving the plane if we're being honest right? Some of you in here might be like, I have my pilot's license. Yes, I can. Um, that's pretty cool. I think, where's your, yeah, you have your pilot's license. Heck yeah, dude. Um, sweet. But so unless you're him, you could not fly that plane. (laughs) But what, what a stupid thing that would be for us to do, to get in and say, hey, I'm actually going to fly this plane because I don't trust you. Um, and I don't want things to go bad. So I'm just going to take control. Um, or even whenever you're in the plane right, and you hit some turbulence and it shakes a little bit and you click the button up there that like calls a stewardess and she comes and you're like, excuse me, I need to go to the cockpit. She's like, why? And you're like, uh, I don't trust him anymore. I hit some turbulence and I don't, I don't think he's very good. I'm gonna actually, I'm gonna go fly. Um, just lead me there and I'll, I'll relieve the captain of his duty. No, that would be so dumb. We, you would not last 30 seconds flying that plane because that pilot is a trained professional and that's what He does. He went to school for that. He was trained for that. That is what a pilot does is fly a plane. So why would we try, right? It would just be so dumb. That's what we do in our lives. We look at God and we're like, hey God, it's kind of, there's some turbulence in my life right now. We maybe hit a few bumps, some bad things happen and I'm actually not gonna trust you anymore. I'm not gonna let you control my life. I'm actually gonna take over and I'm gonna try to control my life. You're gonna, crash your life really quick, right? And so it's, it's so easy for us to do. We need to resist the control or resist the desire to control the plane. We have to take a step back from that. We have to resist the desire to control the plane. Because whenever, whenever we want to control the plane, things don't go well. God is in control and, and God is controlling the uncontrolled. So where is God in bad times? God is in the uncontrolled areas of our lives holding our mess together, right? Just like the story of Job, Job had no control clearly over what was happening in his life. Bad things were happening to Job left and right, yet he decided to really dig in and to trust the Father in that time. And so the the next story that we're gonna look at is um, Joseph, who is in Genesis uh, chapter 37 through 43. Again, I'm not gonna read the whole thing, Um, but I am going to summarize it really quickly for us. A recap of that is Joseph was, I think, 17 years old is what scripture tells us. Um, He was the 11th of 12 sons, so he was a baby son. Some of you guys have like one older brother and you're like, I hate my life, it sucks. Um, I have an older sister. She bullied me when I was younger, it's okay. Um, But because of some of the dreams that Joseph was having, his older brothers actually took him. They were like, hey, let's go kill him. Like, let's just just freaking kill that guy because he said that he's gonna rule over us one day. Those are really loving brothers. But instead, one of the brothers convinced them to actually just sell him into slavery much better, right? Um, You get to be a slave. And so Joseph's brother sold him into slavery. He went to Egypt. A man named Potiphar bought Joseph um, to be like his house servant. Um, Joseph did really, really well and excelled. And Potiphar actually made him like the head of his household. So when Potiphar was gone, Joseph was completely in control of his household, um, but Potiphar's wife was a little loco, slightly crazy, and she really had the hots for Joseph, I guess, and so she tried to get him to sleep with her, and then whenever he refused, she lied and got him arrested um, because she said that, she, that he tried to, to sleep with her, and so he was arrested and sent to prison. Um, lots of bad things happen. To Joseph, right? When, when he was in prison, he actually interpreted the dreams of two of the officials of Pharaoh, and they were like, wow, that's incredible, like so cool. Joseph was like, hey, just do one thing for me. Remind, remind yourselves to tell Pharaoh about me so I can get out of prison, so I can go and I can, I can do something else instead of rot in this prison.
1: They're like, yeah, yeah
0: we'll remember, and so they go meet f- uh, with Pharaoh, and they forget. For two years, for two years, they forget. Can you guys imagine that? I get like upset if I go to a Whataburger and order a bacon cheeseburger and they don't put bacon on my burger, but, but like they forgot to, to tell Pharaoh to get him out of prison. Um, and so, yeah, like I said, two years ago down the road and um, Pharaoh's like, hey, I have this dream. I need an interpreter. And that dude was like, oh crap, this dude two years ago interpreted my dream and I forgot about him immediately. And so he was like, hey. There's this dude that's in prison. Why don't you go get him and he can tell you what your dream is about? So he did that. And long story short, read the whole thing. It's really cool. But Joseph came and interpreted the dream and was basically raised to second in command of all of Egypt, right? But before that, when we look at it, bad, bad things happened to Joseph. Throughout the whole scripture, when you read it, it the, the, the author continues to remind us like, hey, God was with Joseph. God was with Joseph. And us as a reader, we can see that that's the case, but we're reading the story and Joseph isn't. Can you imagine if you were living Joseph's life and you continued to do these good things, but nothing but bad continued to happen to you? Be like, God, my brothers, my own blood sold me into slavery. God, where were you? God, I was doing so well. I was, I was worshiping you and I was leading. And, and where were you when that lady lied about me trying to sleep with her and got me put in prison? God, where were you whenever I was giving the glory to you and interpreting these dreams? God, where were you when I was forgotten about and left to rot in prison for multiple years? God, where were you? I feel like that would be the cry of all of our hearts in that situation. If you say no, you're a liar. (laughs) And so where, where were you, God? That would be so easy for us to ask. But Joseph didn't ask that question, right? Joseph continued to seek after God and continued to live out his life for, for God. He continued to, to pursue the Lord and to give everything back to him. And you know what happened? God made a very, very beautiful me- or a beautiful, beautiful, plan out of that, right? Romans eight twenty eight says that all things work together for the good of those who love God. And so where is God in the bad times? God is in our trials and in the messed up areas of our lives working on a bigger and more brilliant plan, just like Joseph. Our our lives sometimes resemble Joseph's, maybe not as serious, but it's just like, God, like, I am just pursuing you. I'm doing everything for you and nothing but bad continues to come on my plate. What's going on? Like, if you're just being real, God, what's going on? Like, could you tell me, could you show me but he's actually there. He has not left you in your bad times. He's in our trials, in the messed up areas of our life, working on a bigger and more brilliant plan. Next, we're going to jump ahead to the New Testament. We're going to be in John 11, 1-44. It's the story of Lazarus. Another story I don't think that I could not mention during this sermon, Um, but I'm going to give you guys a brief recap of the story of Lazarus. And so Jesus was notified by somebody that his buddy Lazarus was on his deathbed. He was like, yes, I'll, whenever I'm done here, I'll, I'll come see Lazarus. I'll come, I'll come check it out. So it says that, that by the time Jesus got there, as they were approaching, Jesus told his disciples, Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I will awaken him. So this means that, that Jesus knows Lazarus was dead, right? Jesus already knows, hey, don't worry, guys. Like Lazarus died. There's gonna be mourning. There's gonna be weeping. But we're gonna come in. I'm gonna raise him from the dead. It's gonna be cool. Make sure you take an Instagram story of it. It's gonna be awesome. So his his disciples were super confused, like this, just like anybody else would be. If he's asleep, he'll wake up. Don't worry about it. Let's go do other things. Like he'll he'll come up from his nap, um, and just see Jesus, just like face palming, being like you idiots do I have to like explain everything to you? Lazarus is dead. (laughs) That's probably not what happened because Jesus is way more full of grace than I am, but that's okay. But then Jesus says something very interesting. He says, for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so you may believe. So Jesus is actually saying, hey, I'm actually glad that I was not there to heal Lazarus before he died so that you guys who follow me everywhere may believe. I'm glad that I was not there during a bad time And that something bad happened, that somebody died, that one of my friends and some people's loved ones died. I'm glad that that happened so you might believe. That's pretty incredible. That's that's a little interesting. So when they got there, Lazarus had been dead and put in a tomb for four days. So he was a little late. Lazarus' sister Martha came out and said, man, Jesus, like, awesome, you're here, but you're too late. If you would have just been here in in Lazarus' time of need, you could have healed him. You could have brought him up. Um... So eventually throughout the story, uh, they go and they talk to the other sister, Mary, and Mary leads them to the tomb. And Jesus says, that's actually this this famous verse, right? Jesus wept. We all know that verse, super cool. Get a tattoo of it. Um, Scripture tells us that, that he was greatly troubled actually. And he wept when he saw everybody mourning and weeping the death of Lazarus. But if I can just get you guys to open up your minds a little bit, right? Because everybody's always like, well, that's so cool. Like Jesus wept because his friend died. Like he's so compassionate and he's so full of love. But that wouldn't make sense, would it? Because earlier we were already told by Jesus, hey, I know that Jesus died and it's actually, I know that, that Lazarus, Jesus did die later. I know that Lazarus died and it's actually better that I was not there to heal him so that you guys may believe. So why would he be crying that Lazarus was dead? Lots of scholars actually believe that that Jesus was actually weeping because of the unbelief of the people that were there. All of these people that were crying and telling Jesus, only if you would have come sooner, Lazarus would still be alive. So Jesus wasn't weeping because Lazarus had passed. Jesus was weeping because of the unbelief in the people and the unbelief that they had in God. They walked to the tomb and he said, roll it back. And they said, no, he's going to be really stinky. He's been dead for four days. And he said, no, please roll it back. Um, If you roll back the stone and believe, you'll see the glory of God. So he asked the father before he raised Lazarus, he said, father, please like help them, help them see and help them believe. So he asks God to, to help them. They roll it back and he yells, Lazarus, come on. You've been sleeping long enough. Come hang out. Come walk again. And like. Oh, yes, these are quotes, um, Zach quotes. And so Lazarus comes out and he's bound up in linen and like cloth and he probably looked like a mummy. Um, and they unwrapped him, right? And he, and he was fine. What is, what is craziest to me is that Jesus the whole time knew that Lazarus was dead. Days in advance. <clears throat> whenever, they came, whenever they came to Jesus, they hey, Lazarus is going to die. You need to come heal him. He, he knew that Lazarus would die. He knew that Lazarus had to die. And he knew that he would weep because of the unbelief of the people that were there. And so, where is God in bad times? God is in our unbelief, giving us reason to believe. God is in our unbelief, giving us reason to believe. That's what he was doing for those people there. He said, Hey, This has to happen so that you may believe. This bad junk, Lazarus dying, has to happen so that you guys can believe. Forgot to put that slide up there for you guys. God is in our unbelief giving us a reason to believe. That's just wild to me that Jesus, he had this plan. He knew that the bad things had to happen because our hearts had unbelief. And the only way he could put belief in our hearts is to work through the bad and show us, hey, this is a reason to believe. This is why I'm good. This is why you need to believe. The last story we're going to look at is the story of Stephen. So if you'll turn uh, to Acts, or you don't have to turn. I'll go through it pretty quick. Acts 7, uh, verses 54 through 60. So if you guys don't know the story of Stephen, Stephen was the first martyr, um, first person to be killed because of his relationship with Jesus. Um, and so <clears throat> Stephen was preaching. Uh, he was being accused of blasphemy, and he spoke with passion and confidence in this, in this situation. But then the people he was preaching to were like, nah, we're not going to listen to you. We're actually going to take you outside. We're going to throw rocks at you and kill you. Um, kind of like escalated really quickly. Um, but, so they took him outside, and they started throwing these rocks at him. Boom, 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 hit him. And as he was on his knees, literally taking his last breath, scripture tells us that he says, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. So that seems like a pretty bad situation to me all around, right? It's not like the the Bible says, well, Stephen was preaching and then they stoned him and they killed him and then everybody that stoned him came to know Jesus. That's not what scripture says. They probably stoned him and they, High fived each other and went and did whatever they were going to do, celebrated because they killed another, or because they, they killed a, a, a Christian that was blaspheming. Um, this story just looks all around bad to me. Nothing, nothing about that looks good. None of them were like, you know what? After stoning this guy, I rethought it. I think I'm going to give this Jesus guy a shot and try it out, see, see what that's all about. No, nothing like that happened. He's preaching to a group of people and rather than repenting and coming to Christ, these people got so mad and so angry with him that they took him outside and killed him. Doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of good to come out of that. But if we look ahead a few chapters to Acts 11, verse 19, it says, now those who, sc- who had been scattered as a result of the persecution that started with Stephen, the persecution that started with Stephen made their way to Phonesia, to Cyprus, and to Antioch. So we look at the story and all we see is bad, but what we don't see is that, that this stoning, that God used this incredibly ugly, horrible situation, this situation that we see is only bad, no good can come of it. He took that situation and he turned it into the, into the circumstance where the gospel began to spread to the nations, This is when people began to have the opportunity to meet the father, right? So this is an incredible story, just like Catherine's story earlier about about her dad, right? This situation that seemed grim and that seemed bad and that seemed ugly and nothing was good about it, God said, actually, if you didn't know, I'm in the business of taking really, really bad situations and using them for my glory. So Christ saw this situation He was like, "Ah, I'm gonna take that really bad situation and use it for my glory. It's like, have you ever seen um, those like speed painters and they're just like throwing paint on like this canvas and you're like, that's garbage, I could do that. Like pay me to make a 60 second video of throwing a bunch of paint. And then they like flip it over and it's like a picture of Jesus' face. And you're like, what? That's the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. I watched one the other day and I was like, this is awesome. This is super cool. But all you see, right? is just a bunch of paint splattered. And then the artist changes your perspective a little bit. He flips the canvas and you see a beautiful picture, right? And so that's what's happening right here is that God took a horrible thing. He took the first stoning of a man who was in relationship with Jesus. He turned that into the spark that started the fire that moved the gospel to the nations. So where is God? God is in the areas we deem to be not good, making them beautiful. Like I said, God is in the business of taking ultra crappy situations and saying, jokes on you guys, they're freaking beautiful. That's so cool to me. That's so, so cool. Now that we have looked at four different um Places in in scripture where we see these awful, atrocious, horrible situations where it looks like God has completely abandoned whatever person is there and God has fleed at the sight of evil and bad. But we have been able to see throughout scripture tonight that in reality, even though we feel that God is not there, he is there and he is showing up in different ways. He's showing up in beautiful ways in our life. And so now that we have seen that, what the heck do we do with it? How do we actually take those examples and apply them to our lives? First, this application steps, these are gonna be super basic, but first is to dig into scripture. Because the more we dig into scripture, the more familiar we get with the father because that's his word and that's one way he communicates with us. And so I'm gonna give an example of me and my homie Cade somewhere in here. I think he's right there. Um, me and Cade know each other pretty well, right? Like we talk a lot, we hang out sometimes. I know what his voice sounds like. So the other night when me and my wife went um, to United and we're like walking and I hear somebody say, hey, don't you act like you don't know who I am? And Becca, my wife, turns around and looks and I'm like, oh, it's Cade. I didn't even have to look. I heard his voice and I recognized his voice because we're in relationship. We communicate, we talk. I know what his voice sounds like and that's what we have to do with scripture. We have to know what the father's voice sounds like in order to see where he is in our lives, in order to see where he is in the bad times. The second part of application is gonna be simply, when you read this and you see the examples that were in here that we talked about tonight and other examples, be encouraged by them. This book is not make-belief. This book is absolute truth. This book is God breathed and and is profitable for everything. That's what scripture tells us, right? Is this book has nothing to do with myth, This book has nothing to do with fairy tale. This book is historical fact. And so when you open it and you read it and you see stories like Job and Joseph and Stephen, when you see stories like Lazarus, be encouraged by those stories. Know that the same God that was active and working in that day is the same God that's active and working in our lives today. Know that he can do these things. The third is lean in rather than run away. These people in, in, in these stories never were like, well, that sucked, I'm gonna run away from God because like, I don't know what's happening. No, they leaned into the father. Joseph leaned into the father. Job leaned into the father. Stephen gave his life because he leaned into the father. So just like these people in scripture, lean into God, know that he is there for you. Know that even though you don't see him, he's there, right? Even, even if you don't see something, that doesn't mean it's not there. If we flipped off all the lights in here and it went completely pitch black, you wouldn't be able to see most people in here, but you'd be like, hey, shoot, I'd be up here. I'd be like, hey, I know Mauricio is here. I've seen Mauricio all night. I've seen him do things. I've interacted with Mauricio. Even though I don't see him in the moment, I know he's there. It's the same thing with God. You've seen God work throughout your life the whole time, The whole time that you you struggle with things in your life, the second something goes bad, he's still there. Even even if you don't see him, God is still there. So because of these truths, we should believe certain things about the Father. We should have them change the way we live our lives. He's not absent in hard times. Rather, our God is holding together our mess. He's working on a bigger and more brilliant plan. He's giving us reason to believe, and he's making things beautiful. So I just hope that you guys are encouraged by that tonight. I'm gonna go ahead and pray for us as the band comes back up. We're gonna enter into a time of response and worship. If you guys want to talk about somewhere in your life that you you cannot see God, or if you want to even follow this God that we're talking about tonight, if you're like, man, this God that we talked about tonight, I have no idea who that is. I've never experienced that God. Um, I'll be in the back, come chat with me, chat with the person next to you. I'm sure they would love to pray with you as well. Um, I'm going to pray for us real quick and we're going to dive into a time of response. Father, we love you so much. We just thank you for, for your goodness, um, for your glory, dad, um, just how awesome and how loving and how kind you are and how you never forsake us, father, how you never forget us. You never leave us. Um, you're always there in our lives, even in the times of bad, you're there, even in the times that it seems like you're absent, Father. You're there, um, and so let us always remember how much you love us, how much your love um, just resides in this place and in our hearts, Father, and how much you care for us and how you just, you just love your children a lot. I'm just astonished by that. Thank you, Father. Um, pray for this time of worship. Your name. Thanks for listening to The Journey Podcast. You can learn more about The Journey by checking us out on Instagram or Facebook. Just search for At The Journey LBK.